RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Have you heard of Free to Be Church? Free to Be Church is a nationwide effort by a group of New Zealand pastors, I'm reading from the website, church leaders and Christians to secure and protect the lawful, God-given freedoms to practice faith in accordance with God's word and as recognized within both the New Zealand Bill of Rights and the Treaty of Waitangi, Te Tiriti or Waitangi. So joining us from Free to Be Church is Logan Hargort. Logan, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Okay. What's your role in Free to Be Church? So my role, I'm, I'm one of the board members, along with a bunch of brothers there. I'm the media spokesperson, and it's just great to be able to journey with the brothers through this, really. Why is why is it necessary to come together to do this? Because that, that word free in there suggests that it's not so free right now, or may not be so free as we yes. you know, so I head, think head forward. It was born... I guess, out of a particular situation we found ourselves in back in 2021, where a a group of fellow ministers and pastors came together and just shared the reality of not being able to practice our faith, not being able to gather together as Christians because of lockdowns and various other matters related to COVID. And we began thinking more about how uh, religion and government and freedom and all of that sort of stuff interplays together, and spe- especially in light of the scriptures, and began thinking, like, what is our role as ministers in order to address these things? And that sort of began a extended conversation and sort of tracked down the line of how do we actually go to our government and seek to appeal and uphold religious freedom that up till now we've been entitled to, but this is the first time it was really being challenged. Did you obey the government at the time and follow the rules? Yes. Should you have? That's a great question. Uh, I think in general, I would say our duty under God in accordance with the word of God is to submit to any governing authorities above us unless those governing authorities contradict the word of God. So we should do everything within our power in order to be submissive, in order to be obedient, in order to be upright citizens. In fact, as Christians, we should be the best citizens unless what the government is calling us to do is contrary to the word of God, in which case we have to say, I must obey God and not man. And I think we all ran into moments in the last few years where we've really been challenged on that. How do we understand this? How do we interpret that? And one of the big things we were fighting for wasn't so much to say, this is what all Christians ought to do, but rather to fight for the freedom for elders and churches, for the church leadership to actually make that decision in a way that honored the Lord and honored individual consciences. Comes down to what's truth, right? What's truthful? Well, I mean, for us. Because they weren't telling the truth. Well, I guess for us, it's not so much about what they're saying. That's of a far lesser consequence to us as Christians. The far greater consequence to us is what is God's truth and seeking to follow that. And so when God says, gather together, when God says, do not neglect the gathering together of God's people, 
we must seek to honour that, regardless of what the consequences might be. And there was an effort to stop gathering. Oh, yeah, oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, based on what? <laughs> Seems now based on nothing except fear and propaganda and wanting to control people. Well, yes, I mean, there's... I know you didn't the, know that at the time. We could we could sense it, but that's yeah. the reality. Yeah, well, it's very easy, isn't it, with hindsight now to look back and wonder whether your actions were correct. But you act at the time based off the information you have on hand. And so even for me, when it first came out, when everything first started and lockdowns first initiated, I responded very differently to the second, third or fourth, I forget how many lockdowns there were now, compared to later on in the lockdowns. Right. Because I had new information, I had a better understanding, and even me as a minister, I had a better uh, understanding of the scriptures and what God required of me in order to be faithful. I've got um, friends who were excluded from their church because they weren't vaccinated. Yep. How does that sit? Um, they weren't very happy about that, i got to say. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Look, the in, in my mind, the scriptures are very clear. Uh, James 2 explicitly states that we should not show partiality to anybody. And when vaccine mandates are forced into churches, that's exactly what you're doing. You're saying one class of people is welcome, another class of people is not. That's discrimination, which is, in my mind, anti-scripture anti our confessions that we hold to as Christians and anti really the gospel uh, because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ clearly declares that all are welcome. Jesus is anyone that's weary, come unto me. And the second we say, well, anyone that's weary except, to what, except for one specific class of people, that's contrary to everything that we hold dearly to in the scriptures. And so um, many churches decided, unfortunately, in my mind, not enough, but many churches decided they would refuse to buy into vaccine mandates because it just goes against the warp and the woof of scriptures. It would be a duty, wouldn't it? Yes, I think it's required of um, Christian leaders to maintain the freedom of their people to gather together, to honour the Lord according to their conscience. You see, the, the conscience is one of the most important things to uphold and has rightly been held up all the way back to the Reformation in the 1500s, that at the end of the day, every individual must honour the Lord. And he or she is accountable before God for how he does that. And in fact, our, as a Presbyterian, we have something called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And in that, it says that we may not bind the conscience of an individual because only God is the Lord of the conscience. And unfortunately, there was a lot of consciences bound. Yeah, where they sh maybe shouldn't have been. But I also understand that's human nature and the environment at the time was um, very unfamiliar to a lot of people and there was a lot of fear and it turns out lies told. They weren't to know, they trusted and it is what it is. Do you think, um, do you think the Christian church, not only in New Zealand but around in the like countries, is kind of under some sort of, attack at the moment well i mean you can generally just say yes to that in every period of human history uh, jesus himself said i did not come to bring peace but to bring the sword and jesus himself said when he was departing his disciples that if they persecuted me how much more will they hate you 
And so our expectation in the church, funnily enough, is to be hated, to be harassed, to be persecuted. That's actually the norm for the Christian church. And so when we look around us and we see opposition beginning to be sort of lifted up and directed towards the church of Jesus Christ, we're not shocked. We're not surprised. The, the question is not so much, why are we being attacked? We know why we're being attacked, because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is more, uh, will we be faithful to our Lord and follow him in spite of everything? Be willing to lay down our lives, take up our crosses and follow him and embrace whatever consequences might follow. But I mean, specifically, it seems to be that everything which the church uh, holds dear, the truth which the church sort of really latches onto, those principles are directly being attacked in many different areas of our society and the world in general. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, the easy answer would be the devil who opposes the church of Jesus Christ, but I think you're looking for something a little bit different than that. Well, uh, okay, no, I, I can buy that because I, I and I want to get on to, you know, the, the spiritual environment, I guess, at the moment, if we get to it in this chat. But there's there's got to be a reason for it because, you know, it's not a bad message. It's a good one. And you'd think people looking for, you know, I don't know, something in their lives, even if it just gives them equilibrium, would would see this as quite a positive thing. You don't have to buy into every aspect of it. But to be cruel in their in denial is another level. Yeah, well, I think ultimately it comes down to a simple principle, I guess you could say, and that is that the darkness always hates the light. And Jesus Christ came came to be the light in the world, and he sends forth, forth his disciples to bring forth the light in order that sons and daughters of the darkness might become sons and daughters of God. But there's a problem. If one becomes a son and daughter of God, he or she must stop being their own God. You see, deep down in the heart of every single one of us is self-idolatry. We want to be God because if we're God, we get to call the shots, right? No one can tell us what to do. We get to be little kings in our own little universe. But to be a believer, to be a follower of Christ is to recognize that actually you are not a little God. You are a servant and a child of the living God and you worship him and him alone. And I think that that principle of having to die to self and follow Christ is just a pill too hard to swallow for many. Because we're seeing very obvious signs of that now, aren't we? We're seeing certain lifestyles that are very self-indulgent. Let me put it that way. Yeah, We're seeing um, that whole wanting to be God thing. We're seeing it on all sorts of fronts um, with, um, with AI transhumanism. We can go there. Might not want to go there, but that, that seems to be some sort of reality now. We've got that chap Harari saying, I need to rewrite the Bible with AI to correct it. Um, it, it seems like um, there's sort of incoming from all fronts. Yeah, look, none, none of this is surprising to me whatsoever. Um, you know, if you go back to the Old Testament, there were periods in Old Testament history where Israel uh, turned to idolatry and effectively said uh, to the Lord, uh, we don't want you because we want the gods of the Philistines. And God's response frequently was, in a nutshell, well, if that's what you want, have it and, and see how it turns out. 
And so the Bible talks about God handing people over to their sin. And there's a real sense in which that's what we're seeing in our society in the West. You see, we have to appreciate our, the Western nations have a rich Judeo-Christian heritage with, with amazing uh, morals, rich principles, uh, freedom sort of built into the very fabric of our society. And yet our nations persistently for a century and more have been seeking to undo that. Why? Because they're seeking to reject God. And so as they've rejected God, in a nutshell, you could say, well, God says, well, if you don't want me, that's fine. And so I will hand you over to your sin and you can deal with the consequence of not having the Lord working in your midst. And that's what we're seeing. So we're seeing our our family structures falling to pieces around ourselves. We're seeing mothers killing children. We're seeing domestic violence increasing. We're seeing drug abuse increasing. Everything's getting steadily worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Why? Because we've rejected the one who holds the entirety of our society together. Yet people who tell us, leadership who tell us that, you know, we're, well, you know, we're, we're trying to do this, we're trying to do that. We've got policies for this, policies for that. They're obviously not working. They just keep on going. Yeah, is, well, the, is that the devil again? I'm serious. Well, I, I guess I want to be careful that I don't say uh, a, a government equals the devil. That's not what we what we hold to. We don't sort of see the devil hiding behind every single mask under the sun. Some of this is human sin. Some of this is living in a cursed and fallen and broken world. And some of this is the reality. How could you do what, what's been done to people? If you weren't, if you didn't come from a dark place. Well, but don't we all come from a dark place? Well, okay. That's an interesting response, but to put it to, to wield it as a weapon against people. I mean, I try not to do that. <laughs> when uh, no, Look, none of these things are surprising when we come to reckon with the reality of human sin. You see, at the end of the day, there is only one class of people, and that is sinful and broken. And every single one of them is living in rebellion against their creator. Hmm. And had it not been for God's grace and God giving the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be the status quo of every single human that would ever exist on the face of the planet. And what we would see would be infinitely worse than what we see today. There are two reasons that our world is not far worse. One is God's common grace, that as a creator, even though even though the people reject him as the creator God, he still causes, as he says in the, in the word, his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. So his common grace is extended to people. But secondly, God, by his grace, sent his one and only son in order that people like Paul and Logan might turn to him and live and have eternal life. And so the only reason I'm different than the person that is a murderer is not because I've had a wonderful upbringing and my parents were lovely, but it's because the grace of God has shone upon my heart. Yeah. And you choose to be, with your free will, right, a, a particular way. 
Yes. Well, so God calls me out. He changes my heart. He calls me to himself and I am responding to that and therefore seeking to walk in fellowship with him. I'm seeking to walk in the light rather than the darkness. But there's a whole lot of people in our world who love the darkness. And John, it talks about the, the problem being not so much that people just don't like the light. The problem is they love the darkness. What's there to love about the darkness? Is that being back, going back to being your own God? I think so. Um, it, it, it's that, but it's just that it's the reality of sin. You see, a, a sinful person will accept anything other than God. Is that because they know they're sinful? It's part of their nature. Why does right. a dog bark? Okay, I got you. Okay. So what does Free to Be Church seek to do at, you know, whatever level to, I guess, ensure the best you can that your freedom is not challenged? Yeah, so I think it's important to distinguish between Free to Be Church and the past individual pastors and, and churches that, that sort of are connected to it, if you get okay. One. Well, if you could so, explain that, that'd be good. Yeah. So Free to Be Church itself obviously is not a church. Uh, it's made up of- no, I figured that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have had people wonder if it is before because we have T-shirts. Like um, a new <laughs> an evangelical church that's just sort of yeah, sprouted up somewhere. some new church or something, yeah. you know. Come and join us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. So effectively, we're, for lack of a better word, we're just an initiative seeking to question- uh, the legality of the government's actions in relation to the church throughout the COVID period. Uh, so we were seeking to test whether the government crossed the Bill of Rights, et cetera, and abused freedoms that they shouldn't have. And so we began a process back in September 2021 and getting advice and seeking to, I guess, enter into a type of judicial review. That was where we were first going. And discovered that didn't really fit the bill with legal advice, and eventually we ended up taking a particular path. and And the goal's really been just to go to the government and say, "Look, we have the Bill of Rights. We have freedoms that have been enshrined for the last two hundred years. Have you crossed these in what you've done?" And and so we we took the case. Uh, case was ruled on, and unfortunately, we lost the case. The, uh, the effectively what the the in a nutshell the the judge said yes your freedoms were impinged upon but they were justified given the circumstance no they weren't well the, whether you think they were or not that's what the judge said well it's <laughs> we got a problem in this country where we have a judiciary that sides with the power well that that was one of the interesting thing reading the uh, reading the report from the judge and. And, and this is one of the reasons we're going to appeal, is that it appeared to us, at least reading it, that they were not really taking our case seriously, not really taking the information we brought seriously. And that's why we've appealed. And so we've appealed the judge's decision. And in August, very shortly in a month's time, this comes comes up to the Court of Appeal. Why, again, why would that be? You'd think that... Um... I mean, I had relatives who went and fought in wars for freedom. You know, some of them died. What for? 
Yeah, I mean, I could hypothesize many things, but it's it's very hard to know uh, why is it. I think some of it is just the reality of human nature in the sense of um, control. Control is a very powerful thing, and if you have control, it's very it's very hard to then give up that control again. Um, as as for the interaction between government and uh, court systems and things like that, that's, it's a very complicated thing. I'm definitely not a legal expert, and I wouldn't want to chime in on that. But I mean, it's it's pretty apparent that there's some severe flaws in our infrastructure in New Zealand in a number of different ways, and I think it behoves us to start asking some serious questions. Well, uh, the reason I'm sort of um, you know wanted to know more about that from you is because I've known people have have been involved in taking cases on other matters, but to do with this. And they're very experienced people with decades of workface experience. I'm, I'm speaking about doctors mainly here, who just weren't even given the time of day in the court system. And some guy or, or person from the Ministry of Health in this case, just a bureaucrat, um, and they're called upon expert, were given all the credibility. So you really can't get moral. There's mo- there's moral justice and there's legal justice. I know, but you can't seem to get either of them in the system right now, which means something's happened. Yeah, I think maybe if if you take it out of the sphere of of COVID and, and look to, I guess, a different sphere. What's interesting is you see the exact same thing. And, okay, and, that, right. and that relates to um, specifically to foster children. So I don't know if you've been seeing any of the cases recently, but there's no, been, I haven't. But so there's been foremost. cases of um, in the news of foster children who have been taken out of the homes of caregivers, and so these caregivers have looked after these children some five, six, seven, eight years of their life, and all of a sudden the uh, uh, Oranga Tamariki turns up and decides to take the child away. And when it's taken to court, they're ruled against. Not Oranga Tamariki, but the family. Yeah. And, and it's be- it's because of the fact that we live in a world where everything is policy driven. And so it's not, it's not, let's sit down and look at the entirety of the context of what's going on and, and seek to do what's right and what's best. It's, well, the policy says A, B, and C, so we have to do A, B, and C in this situation. We well, see- you know, people used to do A, B, and C when they put people on cattle trucks and sent them on railway lines, you know, and it was all very efficiently well done. I, I know I'm being a little over the top, but that's that's how that happens. That's what, yeah, We should be very concerned, shouldn't we? Well, I mean, of course, anytime you see something that you think might be an injustice, we should be gravely concerned. Even if it's the smallest injustice, we should be concerned because a small injustice justifies a greater injustice. But this is, I guess, for us as believers, this is the one one of the great comforts we find is that Jesus Christ is called the King of Justice. And we are told in the scriptures that a day is coming when justice will reign supreme. There will be a day of justice coming where every single person throughout the COVID period that has been mistreated or has suffered injustices, their justice will be received. The king of justice will restore justice fully. 
This might be a bit of an out there question, and, and I know we need to get back onto the core thing of what we're talking about. But is that is that time approaching? Do you think? Uh, look, it always is. That's the easy answer. One day yeah. always brings us closer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. But um, you, you, the reason I ask is you get a sense. It's hard to put your finger on it. It's a yeah. feeling more than anything that there's this sort of vortex of events on, like I say, multiple fronts that are coming together that if you wanted to join dots, you may not get the right answer. But you could you you could wonder, man, is this is this approaching now? Yeah, look, I actually get I get asked that question a lot more than what you might think. Um, between all the different things that have happened in the last five years, you know, is this the end? Is this the mark of the beast? Et cetera, et cetera. You know, there, there was a day when when Jesus and his disciples were walking through Jerusalem and they saw the temple and the disciples said to Jesus, look at these beautiful stones. Look at this beautiful temple. And Jesus said to them, a day is coming when this temple will be destroyed. And I, I, won't, I won't say the whole thing because it'll take too long. But eventually yep. Jesus said to them, there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines. There will be pestilences. But the end is not yet. Don't be alarmed. Have faith. You see, the reality is there's nothing new under the sun. Paul. It's like no, none of this is new. There's been pestilences before. There's been government control. There's never been digital currency before. Well, that, that's fine, but there's been different forms of the same thing. There's been, I mean, what happens when coinage first comes out? Yeah, but you can you can trade your coin, your physical coin, um, in a um, confidential way, in an, uh, you know, an unseen way. When you are prevented from when your behavior is modified through control of a currency, um, that's new. That's digital. Facial recognition never existed before. Yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. So but this network all, of things, but these know, are all these are all new expressions of the same things that we've seen all the way throughout history. Yeah. Governments. There's always been good governments or bad governments, corrupt governments unjust governments, unjust governments. There's been rough periods of times and there's been good periods of times. And that will continue until the return of Christ. But Jesus says, no one knows the day and hour of the return of, of me and my return. No one knows except for the Father. Yeah. So what what is incumbent upon us? It is incumbent upon us to be watchful, to be alert, to be ready, to stay sober, to follow Jesus Christ because one day he will come back like a thief in the night. What happens if the appeal fails? What do you do then? Well, we carry on doing the same thing we're doing right now, which is worshiping Jesus. Yeah. You see, at, at the end of the day, um, our, our church practice and life and everything else, it, it doesn't rest upon this case whatsoever. This is really just an attempt for us to stand up and say, wait a second, we believe what you've done is wrong. You've trodden upon our freedoms, and we think you need to acknowledge that. I mean, all it would take would be for the government or Minister of Health or whoever to just acknowledge we were wrong in closing churches down. We shouldn't have done that. It was unnecessary. And 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 yeah. I, I can't speak for my brothers, but I would be happy just to move on. 
because it's yeah. it's not about money. We're not we're not asking for anything. No, we just we we want the church to be free to worship the living God. Logan, you uh, must if, know. If, you must in, know if if they if they do that, they have to do it for everything they've done. Of course they do, and that but, is that's a huge thing to deal with. So I, this is kind of a thin end of the wedge for them, and I can see why they'd be reluctant just yeah. not to say anything. Look, I, look, I'm not ignorant, and uh, I'm not know, saying you are, mate. I'm, I'm not. No, 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 no. Yeah. I know that, but. Uh, we know there's a sense in which we're pushing stuff up a hill, but that's okay. You know, the Bible has many different examples of people appealing the government. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he was arrested, appealed the government and asked the right to go to Rome to be tried before Caesar. And we're just using that freedom as citizens of New Zealand. We're following the legal routes in order to challenge what we saw. But if tomorrow the government decided to say that We've decided for unprecedented situation that churches are not allowed to worship. We would have to say we obey God and not man, regardless of the outcome of this case. Yeah. I'm pleased to hear that. A lot of people will be pleased to hear that. Um, here's another question for you. In talking about uh, people sort of leading more sinful, dark lives in the darkness, um, and we all know how that manifests, but do you think there's also in this time, because this time is very relevant, uh, you know, this is unprecedented. I've been on the planet for 60 years. I don't remember a time like this before. I know it's only an eye blink of time, but, you know, it's in our lifespan experience that actually more people, conversely, are also opening up their minds to a bigger, let, let me put it this way, a bigger picture when before they weren't. What do you reckon? I was I was talking to a person at my church on Sunday, and uh, a visitor to my church, and they were talking about just this reality that the fact that it can feel so oppressive right now with everything going on. And I, and I said to this uh, individual, you know, it's actually a really exciting time to be alive because when the darkness is really thick, the light shines all the brighter. You see, everywhere you look around you, you see so many signs of, of decay and corruption in our society. You see drug abuse, broken homes. I used to live in a, in a terrible neighborhood uh, going back about a decade ago, and we would frequently see kids walking to school, no shoes, no lunch, you know, just, just sad signs of decay everywhere. And yet in the midst of all of that, uh, the brightness of the light of Christ shines all, all, all with all the more illumination. You know, a hundred years ago, most people you spoke to in the West said, oh, yeah, I believe in God. And, and most people went to Sunday school or something like that. And nowadays, most people have no idea. And so you have a, an amazing opportunity because lots of people are asking questions. Lots of people are looking for hope, looking for help, looking for something that will finally bring help. And as believers, we're sitting here with the answer because God's given us the answer. God has spoken once through his son, and he has given us the word which contains all of the answers to our problems. 
And so on an individual level, on a family level, on a church level, on a community level, even on a national level, if we would bow ourselves to God and look to him, all of these things would be righted. And so I'm actually hopeful looking into this situation because Jesus Christ is still upon the throne. He can't be removed off the throne. How can people help in your effort, Logan? Yeah, so obviously for those that are believers that might watch this, uh, prayer is of the utmost importance because the only way we're going to have any success is if the Lord helps get this across the line. Uh, Secondly is just awareness, uh, sharing what's going on, sharing our website on social media and other things like that. Obviously, there is still some funds to raise. I think off the top of my head, we've managed to raise uh, a little over $250,000 so far, which has been a mammoth effort. That covers the legals, right? Mainly? Yeah, this is purely for legal costs. Yeah. And yeah, so there's a little bit still to raise. I can't remember off the top of my head. So it's, it's a... Uh, yeah, maybe twenty plus thousand to go. Uh, not so bad if you've already done two hundred and fifty k. Yeah. You should be able to. Yeah, yeah, it's get over there. the line there. Yeah. Just yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah, probably just awareness that this is a reality because one of the dangers on things like this is that they can just kind of disappear into into the ethereal backdrop somewhere. Um, and one of our deep desires with this apart from just the reality of the legal thing, has been speaking into the Christian world about the reality of how God and government interplays and the reality of individual sovereignty, of the the sovereignty of the family, the sovereignty of the church and the sovereignty of the government and the way those, those play together that the government doesn't have the right to come into your family and tell you how to raise your children. And the family doesn't have the right to tell the church how to run itself. And the church doesn't have the right to tell the government how to run the nation. God has set up these distinct spheres of authority and and they need to be established in the land. And the more we can sort of promote that thinking, the, the easier it is for people to think through some of these really tricky issues they find themselves in. It's been really interesting chatting with you. I wonder if you have anything you'd like to say to our audience before we finish. You know, as as a minister of the gospel, my hope is not found in government appeals. Uh, my hope is not found in uh, law changes in our society, because at the end of the day, we can strive to make New Zealand a glorious nation with fair balances and the perfect infrastructure that you could ever see in any nation in all of the worlds. But at the end of the day, we're all still going to die one day. And so the message I would have for absolutely anyone that would watch this, it would be really not so much what's happening to our nation, but what's happening to your next life. Because that question is actually far more important than the injustices in our land. And my, my greatest longing, and, and this has been the heart of every single person on Free to Be Church, is that if one person can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through our efforts, that will be worth every single dollar and minute of time spent in everything we've done. And that would be my hope for anyone watching this, that they would come to find that there is a Savior in heaven and his name is Jesus. And he's, as he says, I have come to bring life and life abundantly.
Logan Hargord of Free to Be Church. Thanks for coming on our radio station and um, talking about what you're doing and the other stuff. It's all part of the same thing, really, I guess, <laughs> in the big picture um, that we've talked about. And uh, I wish you well with the appeal. But whatever happens, wish you well. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.